Nighttime on Still Waters. This is NB506812, narrow casting into the night from somewhere on Britain's waterways. Seventh of November, Saturday. Quicksilver moon, ghosting through a glistening night, caught among the branches of the old elm tree where the jackdaws call. This is NB 506812. Broadcasting into the dark, canal side. Welcome aboard the Erica, and thank you again. It's been lovely to hear from you, and it's also good to know that even in our nights, both figurative and literal, we're never really alone. And I want to begin just by making a point about last episode, where I mentioned how I thought that the original working boatman didn't use naval or nautical terms and dad called during the week to confirm those impressions records are a bit sparse and it's not totally clear from where these boatmen were recruited but it's almost certain that many of them were the original navigators who cut the canals Uh, and there's also strong evidence to suggest that a number were also agricultural workers who were displaced because of the industrial revolution What does appear fairly certain and we can be fairly confident about was that the majority of these would have had no naval background, no nautical background. And as these groups began to form into a a cohesive community, as usual, a, a language, vocabulary, or if we use a modern expression, jargon begins to form, customs develop. And... So a little later on, once established, Dad was telling me that for one working boatman to call another a sailor was the height of insults. He also confirmed that the nautical language only really creeps in um, with the advent of leisure and residential boating, and that even the term moorings or to moor up is a, a relatively newish term. Well, it's been a week of shifts and tremors again. The UK is now once more in lockdown. And because of that, all boat movements are restricted to just the essentials. There's a prohibition of all movement. Uh, If we are moored near service points where we can access water and waste disposal and fuel, etc. for heating. And movement's only permitted where absolutely necessary and even then the boat's only allowed to move to the service point for fuel if they need for heating or for water etc and then they must either return or go to the next secure moorings and so like spring the canal is once more much quieter boaters stay largely on their boats a wave of the hand a cheery hello to a person passing And 
As in spring, I've waited for that calm to fall, but it's not yet come. I've felt the shift, and I've seen and heard its effect on others, but this time it feels a little bit different. The roads are still relatively busy. I was going to say that you can still hear the roar of the traffic, but traffic doesn't roar. It just hangs in the air like the sound of a dull ache. In the spring, reality seeped back into the shapes that we have left behind. Like a footprint in the sand at the sea's edge that slowly fills with water and is erased. Richard Maybe talks about nature is what goes on behind our backs. At this time, that erasure is much slower. Perhaps it's because it's autumn and wildlife themselves are not quite so visible, are also preparing for winter. Or perhaps it's just a different type of lockdown. There is a relative quietness, but it's not so still, it's more tense. It's a disquieted quietness. There is a tension and it seems more deep-rooted this time, more existential, less easy to solve with a mask and disposable gloves. Tonight the boat is still. Darkness fell many hours ago and Penny lies curled in her basket beside me. It's less cold tonight. A warmer airflow has driven that frost back. And as I sit here, the near future seems as impenetrable as the darkness around me. But the night has always functioned as the trope for the unknown, the unseen and the unseeable. We will be fine. I mean, we all will be fine. Our needs are really few. Covid has this habit of reminding us that we don't actually really need that much to flourish and survive. For the last three or four years, Donna and I have constantly talked about what is it that we really need to live. And actually the list is really small. It's somewhere to live that's warm and dry water and food. Basically, it's the priorities of survival, the rule of three, shelter and fire, water, food. After that, everything else is really just bonus. Penny stretches and yawns. And I can't see them, but the owls are out tonight. There's something rather comforting to be reminded that, like them and all life around this boat, all I really require and all we really require is shelter, water, food, and a voice to join us in our darkness. I was reminded of this again when I was reading the 15th century calendar of shepherds and how 
our experience with COVID connects us with our forebears and the world that they encountered. One that could be harsh and fearful and full of the unknown and the unexpected. Winter was to be feared, but there was also joy to be found there. I particularly love the the entry for November. It reads, It is now November, and according to the old proverb, let the thresher take his flail and the ship no more sail. For the high winds and rough seas will try the ribs of the ship and the hearts of the sailors. Now come the country people all wet to the market, and the toiling carriers are pitifully moiled. The young hern and the shawlard are now fat for the great feast, and the woodcock begins to make toward the cockshoot. The warreners now begin to ply their harvest, and the butcher, after a good bargain, drinks a health to the grazier. The cook and the comfort-maker make ready for Christmas, and the minstrels in the country beat their boys for false-fingering, Scholars before breakfast have a cold stomach to their books, and a master without art is fit for an ABC. A red herring and a cup of sack make war in a weak stomach, and the poor man's feast is better than the glutton's surfeit. Trenchers and dishes are now necessary servants, and a lock to the cupboard keeps a bit for the needy. Now begins the goshawk to weed the wood of the pheasant, and the mallard loves not to hear the bells of the falcon. The winds are cold, and the air chill, and the poor die through want of charity. Butter and cheese begin to rise their prices, and the kitchen stuff is a commodity that every man is not acquainted with. In sum, with the conceit of the chilling cold of it, I thus conclude in it, I hold it the discomfort of nature and reason's patience. Farewell. And with that too I bid you a very good farewell and wish you all a very restful and peaceful night. Good night. Temperature outside, 10.3 degrees. Inside, 19.5 degrees. Humidity, 89%. Dew point, 8.4. Wind direction, east. Strength, 7 miles per hour. Barometric pressure, 1015. Point six. Precipitation, 0.2 millimeters. Moon phase, waning gibbous, 59%. Sunset, 16.26. Sky casting, 7.15.